good to see you today. If you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to get it out. There'll be some sermon notes today. Today I was very gracious, no blinks, all right? So you can circle things, you can underline or put arrows, but you don't have to fill in any blanks, so go a little bit easy on you today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll get there in just a minute. But I want, you know, in our text today, Paul is going to talk about labor pains. Now, being honest with you, I would be speaking with supreme authority out of the vast storehouse of my ignorance. I would not understand. But anyway, there's a video I want you to show. And how many of you moms would love to see the husbands experience labor pains? All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. Well, anyway, they have some kind of a simulator that simulates labor pains. And so I want to show you about a, a minute and a half video of a wife that put her husband through labor pains. And she enjoyed every minute of it. All right? So I just want you so, to understand this. This time last year, I was in labor. And Mark hasn't stopped going on about me giving birth to another child. Right, you don't understand fully what labor is or even how painful it is. So I have finally bought Mark to give birth. Mark is gonna go under a labor simulator and feel the pain. Yeah. Oh, oh, there she is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna keep that on. Okay, Ooh. that's breathe, cool. Breathe, breathe. Good boy. I mean, yeah, that was, that was definitely a bit, a bit more. <laughs> That's not a normal pain. There's no way. <laughs> so, tuck that away in the back of your mind. And all the mothers out there said, amen. And all the husbands said, praise God. All right. Anyway, just tuck that away as Paul's talking about the sorrow that we go through. And the way that he explained it was a word that literally could be connected to a, a mother going through labor pain. So life can be very intense, all right? And so we're continuing our series on the advantage of the Holy Spirit. And again, Jesus said, it's your advantage that I go away. God had a better plan than walking side by side. God wanted to come and live inside of these earth suits. That really is amazing. And so we've looked at this illustration. And again, this is a picture of someone who's not a believer. Their, their life is separated from God because of sin. And at some point they realize that Jesus died for their sin. They ask him to forgive them. And he comes into their life. I believe he comes into our spirit. The Bible says his spirit and our spirit become one spirit. So literally you are connected to God. And the penalty of sin 
has been paid in full. The reason you can go to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether you've had a good day or a bad day, is because the sin penalty has been paid. I just want you to know, it's gone forever. If you're a believer, the sin penalty is forever taken care of. That's why the Bible says we are justified and righteous in the sight of God. Not because we deserve it, not because of our lifestyle, but because we've invited Christ into our life. But there's a part of us, our soul there, where there's this warfare going on every day between the flesh and the spirit. And the Bible calls that sanctification. Even though the penalty of sin has been paid for, the power of sin we struggle with every single day. And so God wants us in this process of becoming more like Jesus, and it is a process, and as long as you're in an earth suit, the battle is very, very real, all right? And so that's the process of becoming more like Jesus. And then the other part of us, our body, our earth suit, is going to one day going to be glorified. And when we talk about the glorification of our body, we're talking about these bodies being resurrected. One day, this body will be resurrected. When someone dies, again, their spirit steps out of their earth suit. I love what James says in the last verse of James 2, the body without the spirit is dead. So what we call death is just merely the spirit stepping out of the earth suit. But one day, the Bible says God is going to resurrect every single body. We're either going to be resurrected to life or we're going to be resurrected to condemnation. But everyone will get a spiritual body. All right, and so I come up with a new term this week, just kind of thinking about our earth suit. And so we're living on Earth Suit University. All right, it's a lifetime education. How many of you know you never arrive on this side? But as long as we live, there never comes a day that God says, just go out and do the best you can. Every day we live, we have to die to the flesh and we have to choose the Spirit. And even though I don't understand, I would love to go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop, but God designed this thing where it is a process. It literally is a time of sorrow as we journey through this life. How many of you know that life has a way, if you live long enough, your earth suit will wear down? How many of you know that? All right? And so I found myself, my mind tells me I can do things. My earth suit says, don't think about it. All right? And so the earth suit wears down. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you know who this is? And if you know who it is, maybe you do know who it is. But let me give you a couple hints of him as a younger person. All right? That's James Bond. He's 87 here in this picture. How many of you know they never put an 87-year-old James Bond on the, on the movie theater? They always got the young James Bond. But even time, James Bond wore down in time. I think 90 years old, he stepped into eternity. But I'm just here to tell you, our earth suits wear out. And I think you ought to take care of your earth suit. I think you ought to, whatever, how many of you know, everybody has a way to eat healthy. It might be tree bark, whatever it is. Eat healthy, exercise, but one day your earth suit's going to wear out. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't take your earth suit to heaven. Now, some of you are disappointed. You like your earth suit. But I'm going to really be glad to get a new body one day on the other side. All right? So in Romans 8, we've looked at probably the greatest chapter in the Bible, or certainly one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, 
on the Holy Spirit. Romans 7, if you remember, Paul is struggling. He's having that battle between the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing, the things I don't want to do, I'm doing, I can't do what I want to do. I mean, he's just battling back and forth. Now again, let me say, Romans 7 is not the definition of the Christian life. You should not constantly be doing things you're not supposed to and not being able to do what you should. But Romans 7 is a picture of the Christian life when you're trying to live it without the Holy Spirit. Romans 7 is the carnal Christian. When you're just trying your hardest and trying your hardest, I just want to say to you, God never intended us to go out and do the best we can, but every day he wants us to walk in the Spirit. He wants us to walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So every day we're either walking after the flesh, and we're going to be in Romans 7, we're going to be miserable. We're going to try harder. We're going to do more stuff, but just experience sorrow. Or we're going to walk in the Spirit, and our life will produce fruit. So every day, you're either going to walk after the flesh, or you're going to walk in the Spirit. Let me illustrate it this way. A flashlight, which I used last week, uh, let's say a non-Christian is a flashlight without batteries. Now, how many of you know, no matter how hard this flashlight tries, if it doesn't have batteries, it's not going to shine. And when God gave the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, he was giving them a command that they needed the power to obey. But they didn't have batteries, if you will. They did not have the Holy Spirit. Man could not live up to God's standard without the Holy Spirit. And so over and over and over, man failed because they were trying to live up to God's standard without the power of God in their life. And so a non-Christian is like a flashlight without batteries. No matter how you hold it, even if you hold one foot up, your tongue out, still not going to shine. It's just not going to shine. Even if you go to school on how to make your light shine, if you don't have batteries, it's not going to shine. So the flashlight in the middle has a, a Duracell there. They got the HS. That stands for Holy Spirit. We'll put the Holy Spirit inside here. But this particular Christian is living in Romans 7. They're still trying to please God by the flesh. They think if they can do enough things, if they can perform enough, somehow they'll please God. They haven't understood that you cannot please God in your flesh. You have to depend on the Spirit every day to please God. The other flashlight over here on the other side, it too has the Holy Spirit. We'll put the battery on the inside. Both the middle flashlight and the one on the right are both connected with God. Both have unlimited potential. But the one in the middle, they have power. They've never been taught they have a battery that they can rely on. You know, I can't imagine trying to live the Christian life without realizing we have the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus sent the disciples, when he ascended, you remember he sent them to Jerusalem, he said, I don't want you to go anywhere. Don't go anywhere until you are endued with power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Even though he had trained them, he had discipled them, he knew they could not go out and do one thing without the Holy Spirit's power. I think it's interesting in Acts chapter 6 when they were looking for somebody to serve tables. Now, to be honest, in most churches, you're just looking for a warm body to do it. But you remember in Acts 6, they were just looking for people to serve tables, and one of the requirements, they had to be filled with the Spirit. Now, let me ask you, if you have to be filled with the Spirit to serve tables, is there anything we do in life that we don't need to do it in the power of the Spirit? God did not intend for you to try harder and to do more, to jump higher. He wants us every day to realize without Him we can do nothing, and yet through Him we can do 
all things. I can't imagine why we don't teach a new Christian from the moment they're saved that they have the power of God living inside of them. And really the Christian life is not about performance. It's about a relationship and learning again to, to tap in to that power. Very, very important. All right. So a few verses in Romans 8 as we're just kind of reviewing. First of all, he says, no condemnation. To those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And the reason there's no condemnation is the sin penalty has been paid. It is completely paid when Jesus died on the cross. You're never going to get up and be condemned by God. No more condemnation. What a victory that is. He says in verse 2, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What they could never do without the Holy Spirit, he says, I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. The only way we please God is if we are tapping into the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit. And it says that in verse 8 here, it says, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Doesn't say you're not going to make a very good Christian. Anything you do in your own strength is not pleasing to God. So do not try to perform more. Do not jump higher. Do not run harder. Somewhere we need to realize that every single thing we do, we have to depend on the Holy Spirit and walk in his presence. Verse 11, great, great verse in Romans 8, 11, It says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and this is my translation. How many of you know I, I, I can make a translation? All right. So my translation says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your earth suits. When you think about that, the same spirit that filled Jesus when he was baptized, the same spirit that led him into the wilderness and he returned in the power of the spirit, the same spirit that raised the dead to life and opened the eyes of the blind, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says gives life to your mortal bodies. That same spirit lives in you. The same spirit that filled the early church on the day of Pentecost. I have Sophia up here on the right. She was saved about a month ago, was baptized, six years old. How many of you know Sophia has the same power of God that raised Jesus from the dead living in her? You have that same spirit. Why would we want to tell people, try harder, do more, when we got to learn to tap into the Holy Spirit? There's unlimited potential if we learn to tap into the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. Verse 15 that we looked at a couple weeks ago, Paul says, we have been adopted into God's family. People ask me at times, what do you believe about adoption? I say, I'm all for it. Because we've been adopted into God's family. You're not a slave. You're not just somebody that's going to scrub heaven with a toothbrush. You are a child of God. He adopted you into his family. He loves you as much as he loved Jesus. That's hard to, that's hard to receive that. But that's what the Bible says. And so it says in uh, verse 17, if we are his children, then we are heirs also. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Can you imagine God putting you down as an heir to everything he has? How many of you know we're going to do pretty good on the other side? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine him loving you enough that you are an heir of everything God has? Kind of sounds like you're pretty special. But again, when we think about, man, being an heir of God, a child of God, we think, man, we're riding high. Then Paul brings us down to reality for a few verses. He's going to talk about suffering. All right? So he says in verse 18, kind of a transition, 
And this is where we ended a couple weeks ago. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I want to be really honest with you. I don't like preaching about suffering. I don't. I don't like talking about suffering. I'd rather talk about the mountaintop. I'd rather talk about the healing. But if we're being really honest with the Bible and with life, life is suffering. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about in our passage today, he's going to use the word groaning. And he defines groaning by the text by saying groaning as if a woman or like a woman giving childbirth, those labor pains. I just want to tell you, life is hard. People that tell you life is easy, people that preach a feel-good gospel are lying to you. People that preach a health and wealth gospel, they're not being honest with the Bible. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. I don't understand suffering. I don't. I don't understand why God chose to allow us to suffer on this side. But one day on the other side, it's all going to make sense. And one day on the other side, we're going to appreciate that God took us through this process to enjoy all of the glory and splendor of heaven. God has a purpose in every single thing that we go through. So let's read our text today. I'm going to read the yellow. You guys read the blue. All right, I'm giving you the best part. Giving you the best part. So anyway, here we go. I'm going to read the yellow. You all read the blue. If you're not sure, if you're colorblind, just read something. All right, just jump in somewhere. All right, because I'm a little colorblind myself. All right, here we go. Are you all ready? Your part? For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Not willingly, but because of because the creation itself will also will be delivered from For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Eagerly waiting for the adoption for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. So three things in our text today, he says groan. First of all, creation groans. Then he says that we as believers groan. And then he says the Holy Spirit within us also groans. Now again, that word groan means to sigh or to murmur because of an inward feeling of sorrow, to express grief with inarticulate uh, sounds. How many of you know when you're going through labor pains, you make some unknown sounds? And the last thing a husband needs to do is try to interpret. <laughs> you just, I mean, there's just a lot of pain going on there. How many of you have ever been so deep in sorrow that you just moaned and groaned? You didn't even have words to articulate what was going on. 
That's the word there. Again, as we think about labor pains, that's the word Paul uses. So first of all, interestingly, uh, here again, that word groan is compared to childbirth labor pains. That's about as intense. Now, people have said to me, you can never, ever know what that labor pain is. But I have had people tell me in honesty that if you have a kidney stone, it can be compared to childbirth. All right? I have had a kidney stone, so I know what it's like to have labor. All right? I had a kidney stone, and I'm going to tell you, I was a wimp. I was moaning and groaning on the couch. I was pathetic. And I mean, man, when that kidney stone hit, how many of you ever had a kidney stone? Some of you look at me like, all right, do I have a witness? I mean, I was hurt and it started my lower back and came. I mean, I was moaning and groaning. And I'm so thankful God let women have babies. I was glad. But anyway, finally it got so bad, I said, take me to the hospital. Now, when you want to go to the hospital, you're hurting. You're hurting. I was, I was a pathetic sick person. I, I am a really pathetic sick person. When I'm suffering, I'm, I just don't, nobody wants to be around me, all right? But anyway, that's kind of the word there, give you kind of an idea. So first of all, he says in the text, creation groans. So going back to creation, when God made everything, the Bible says it was very good. Every time he created something, it says it was good. By the way, the first time he created something and said that it wasn't good, does anybody know where that is? It's when he made Adam. When he saw Adam, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Thank God. Thank God he made woman. Guys, we need the ladies. They don't need us so much, but we need them, all right? But anyway, that's another sermon. But anyway, so in creation, when man fell, not only did man suffer, have you ever thought about that even creation suffered? Even creation suffered when man uh, disobeyed God. And so the Bible says in verse 22 here, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. All of creation is groaning and moaning. All of creation has suffered because we rebelled against God. All of creation is going through those birth pains and just suffering. But one day, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. One day, God's going to make all things new. But until then, even creation suffers with us. Even creation groans. It says in verse 19, For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. Talking about one day at the resurrection of our body, one day when we get a new body, God's also going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And all of creation is waiting for that day that we are glorified with a new body. It's going to be amazing. It says in verse 21 22, creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. But until then, all of creation is groaning. All of creation has suffered because we rebelled against God. They're going through birth pains. But not only them, he says that we as Christians, we groan, same word, we too are feeling that, that pain of going through life. I don't understand childbirth. But you remember in the beginning when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God said to Eve in Genesis 3 about verse 16, he says, because you've disobeyed, sorrow in childbearing will increase. You're going to have sorrow in childbearing. 
And he said to Adam, because you've disobeyed, he cursed the ground. And he said, because you've disobeyed, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to work the land in sorrow till the day you die. God said life is going to be hard. I just want to be honest with you. Life is not easy. Life is hard. Life has sorrow. Why does God allow us to go through these birth pains, if you will? On this side, it doesn't make any sense. But from the other side, we look back. As we were coming into this world through birth pains, I want to tell you, sometimes we have birth pains before we exit. But on the other side, it's going to be glorious. On the other side, we're going to get new bodies. On the other side, man, it's going to be amazing on the other side. And it will all seem to make sense of why God allowed us to go through a life of difficulty. I quote Job a lot that says, man's days are short and full of trouble. That really is true. Life is hard. Life is very, very difficult. In Philippians 3, Paul talks about that future resurrection. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. I want you to think about this for a minute. God stepped down from heaven and took on an earth suit so he could relate to us. He took on an earth suit so he could die on the cross for our sin. And because he came down and took on an earth suit, he says one day when you have a resurrection, you're going to get to wear a God suit. Your body's going to be like God's. That's crazy. That God is going to give us a body exactly like his throughout all eternity. And I don't know about you all, but I'll be glad to trade this one in. In 1 John, because people have asked me a lot of times about our, our spiritual body, what it's going to be like. And I just want to tell you, I don't know. The Bible doesn't give a lot of specifics. But John says this in 1 John chapter 3. We, already, we are already God's children, and he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that, that uh, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. John says, I'm not really sure exactly what our bodies are going to be like, but they're going to be like his. Whew. That's amazing. God loved us so much, he was willing to come down again, take on an earth suit, so that one day when we die, we can take on a God suit. I don't get that. I don't understand that. But he's saying that some of you may say, oh, I don't know if I want to be resurrected. That's tough. Everybody gets resurrected. I like what Jesus said in John 5. He said, all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Every person will be resurrected. I can't tell you how many times I stand over a grave. I always read from 1 Corinthians 15 that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Can't take your earth suit to heaven. Thank God. God has a better plan. One day, there's going to be a resurrection. And I believe whether they're believers or unbelievers, everybody's going to get resurrected. To those who are believers, they're going to be resurrected for eternal life. Those who have rejected God are going to be resurrected for eternal condemnation. But everybody's going to live forever. A hundred years from this morning, Roger Johnson will be alive. Won't be in my earth suit, hopefully. I'll be a mess. But one day, God's going to raise up Roger's body. Now, people ask me, well, is it okay to be cremated? Should we be tossed at sea? Doesn't matter. God's going to raise it up. 
The Bible says even the sea gave up the dead who were in them. The Bible says you're going back to dust. Your, bio, your body's going back to dust. But one day, God's going to recreate those bodies out of the dust and give us a spiritual body like his. Whew. I know you're going to see me in heaven and go, wow, that's amazing. I saw that guy on earth. It wasn't much to work with. We're going to look around in heaven and just be blown away at God's love. But while we're here, we're going to go through some groaning and some moaning. While we're here, there's a time of suffering. Again, I, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. But we need to learn to have compassion for each other. We need to learn to just encourage one another. I can't tell you how many people have fallen off the wagon, talked to a pastor who had fallen off the wagon, had gone back to drinking. I mean, just literally wasted his life for a while. And sometimes you don't just want to just tell people, oh, all things work together for good. Sometimes you just need to sit with someone and just love on them. I want to tell you, all of us suffer. All of us struggle. And again, he compared it to a lady having child pain, labor pains. It's intense at times. And one day, as the Bible says on Earth Suit University, all that are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. They're either going to come forth and have eternal life or they're going to come forth and be separated from God forever. I can't imagine anybody understanding how short this life is. I can't imagine one person taking a chance on eternity. So many people have said to me, I just don't know if I'll make it or not. I guess I'll have to die and then find out. That's like playing Russian roulette with your eternity. John said, these things have we written that you might know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you know that you know that when you step out of this earth suit, you're going to have eternal life because you've trusted Christ as your Savior. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I don't want anybody to leave here not believing that God doesn't love you. He loved you so much that he was willing to die on the cross so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. He loved us so much that he was willing to take on an earth suit so you and I could take on a God suit. I don't understand that love. But boy, to walk away and to not trust Christ as your Savior, I can't imagine one person walking out of here without knowing that you know that you know Jesus. And even though you're going through a time of suffering and trials, I just want you to know that God is here, God loves you, and God has a plan for you throughout all eternity. So not only does creation suffer, not only do we suffer, but the Bible says, lastly, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He says in verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit who comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer it as we should. You know, when you're really, really suffering, you don't even know how to pray. If anybody understood prayer, it was the Apostle Paul. But even he said, there's times that we're going through the suffering that we don't even know how to pray. Have you ever been there? Have you been so down, so out of it, that you're just kind of moaning and groaning? That's, that's the suffering that we're talking about. Sometimes we don't even know how to pray, but aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is living inside of us and he identifies with our suffering? He goes on to say here in verse 27, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, he knows every pain that you're going through. 
And even he will groan on your behalf. Now, some people have said to me, well, Pastor, this is, this is I believe, talking about speaking in tongues. Even though I believe in speaking in tongues, I don't think that's what this verse is talking about because it says that he's making uh, sighs and groans that not in words. I believe that speaking in tongues is a prayer language, and I think that's okay. But I think there are times there is no language. There are no words for the suffering that you're going through. But God loves you so much that he feels your pain. And he groans on our behalf to God. That's so amazing that God loves us. You know, sometimes you say, well, how in the world can God work out this crazy thing called life? How, how does God work it out? Maybe the most, one of the most familiar verses in the Bible, we're going to end here and start here next week. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I don't understand. Every day we get up, we make dozens and hundreds of decisions. But the Bible says God is able to work everything together to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, which I believe are his children. Isn't it crazy how God works everything in life together? I don't know how God does it, but God cares about every detail of your life. I want to take just a minute today, and I, I know in church it's hard to be real sometimes because we want to look like we have it all together. Can I tell you there's not a person in this room that has it all together. There's not a person in this room that's exempt from suffering. Everyone here understands the depth of what Paul is talking about here. I want to take just a minute with your head up, eyes open. Sometimes I'll tell you to bow your head, close your eyes. This time I want your head up, eyes open. If you're here today and you would just be honest enough to say that you're going through something in your life or your family's going through something that's very, very heavy, and you just, want, you just want us to pray for you. You don't have to come forward. You don't have to say anything. But just by standing, you're just saying that, that I need prayer today. Anybody here, just by standing, would just say, I need prayer today. And don't stand because someone else is standing. Anybody else? And by the way, if you're not standing this morning, you will be by tonight. I mean, you don't make it through a day without suffering. Can we just pray for those who are standing? I want you to look around. I want you to pray for those who are standing. Let's, let's join together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are standing. And Father, we're confessing we don't have the answers. God, we're groaning on the inside because we're going through something very, very difficult. But God, I pray that you would reach down and just love on each of these that are standing. I pray that they could find in you a shepherd, a guide, a strength. And I'm not necessarily asking you to take them out of the suffering, but in the suffering. In times of weakness, I just pray that your strength would be made perfect. I speak peace and blessing, Lord, to those here. God, may you magnify Christ in each of our lives. And may that river of living water just spill out everywhere we go. As Jesus said, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. For those who are seated here today, I pray for them. And God, as we stumble into a time of suffering this week, a time of difficulty... I just pray that we would hold tight to you. 
And even though all of creation groans and we groan and the Holy Spirit in us groans, give us the grace to take one day at a time and to really live each day for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you this. Let's all stand together. I want to encourage you this week as you're going through your week, and maybe we already know somebody that's suffering in our life, maybe a friend, maybe a neighbor, a family member. Would you just ask God to give you the ability to reach out and be an encouragement to them? Don't preach to them. You know, I, I want to be honest with you. When somebody loses a child, I never quote Romans 8:28. All things work together for good. They don't need to hear that then. Sometimes the best thing you can do when someone is in a deep, deep sorrow is just sit with them. Just love on them. Would you pray that as we go through our, our life this week, that as God shows us someone who is suffering, that we would be gracious enough to be the heart of Jesus and just love on that person. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad that we can be real and transparent. Life is not easy. Someone said the Christian life is not difficult, it's impossible. And I really believe it is impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. May we tap into the Spirit of God in everything we do. I love you guys. I just speak peace and blessing and God's prosperity and the Spirit to every one of us. May his love spill out everywhere we go this week and just touch people for the kingdom of God.